With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. And welcome, everyone, to Rockin' Radio. Uh, this is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. Uh, we're here, still season seven. But in season, uh, for the first time since March of 2023, this is an in-season podcast. We are here to talk about your Missouri Basketball Tigers. I am your host, Sam Snelling. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see me on your left. Take a moment to hit that subscribe button. The guy is waving circles with his arms as the co-host tonight, Matthew J. Harris, all the way from the plains of Indiana. Uh, where his neighborhood Hoosiers uh, took down the mighty Florida Gulf Coast Eagles. Is that right? That feels it right. It is. It is. Yeah. All right. I'm, Matt, how are you? I'm well. Uh, my wife is disappointed that uh, IU uh, managed to execute down the stretch. Uh, they did. A... They went on like a 16-2 to two run and then, uh, and then promptly farted away about, about – Eight to ten points. <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll like walk into the end of that." When I was doing my rewatch of 
Missouri's win, which we'll talk about. And I was like, oh, things are getting you know, a little bit more comfortable. And I flip over and like, I think it was right when Florida Gulf Coast went on like a 8-0 spurt in like less than 40 yeah. seconds. It was... Yeah, it was, and, it was, I think they hit a three, called a timeout, yeah. and on the, the inbounds, hit another, sold the ball, hit another three, and forced another turnover. Yeah, it was um, not, yeah, it, it not was bad. Uh, when I had stat broadcast up for it, it was, because my wife um, is a Butler alum and works with IU alums, and she was like, they're all really nervous here now. And I pulled up the stat broadcast. I was like, I would be. I use, I was not great defensively for a long stretch of that game, um, but managed to pull it together and get a win. But we are not an IU podcast. We are a Missouri podcast. Um, we are we are basketball fans though, so I think uh, whatever there's there's hoops on, chances are we're trying to watch it. Oh, there's a quad um, box on my TV right now. So if if you I'm folks looking forward to. Uh, uh, well, I, I am looking. I always look forward to kind of having a night off here and there, but uh, you know, I'm looking forward to kind of catching some more NBA action. I think the uh, NBA has been kind of interesting uh, so far this early season. But are are you currently watching basketball? Like th- this is this is where we're at on our podcasts. <laughs> yeah. We're we're live <laughs> broadcasting, Matt, Matt watching basketball. <laughs> I'll turn the quad box <laughs> off now. There we go. Sorry. Uh, Creighton's absolutely just strafing Florida A and M early. Sorry, yeah. now I'm back. There we go. Yeah, the important early uh, early season games, uh, much like our fair Tigers, uh, who just last night we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, uh, November seventh. Yep. Yeah, seventh. Um, Tuesday, November seventh, and on Monday, November sixth, Missouri took down. The mighty Golden Lions uh, from the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, they scored uh, 101 points to Arkansas Pine Bluff 79. Um, so I wrote a study hall about it. You've watched the game twice. We have things that we can talk about. Uh, Notable, I think, is worth kind of bringing up that uh, Connor Vanover. A lot of people were kind of projecting him as a potential starter at the uh, center position. Uh, is sitting out for three games, so uh, that was the first game he'll miss. Friday's game, uh, and then they play SIUE after that, so he'll miss those three games before he can play. Uh, and then John uh, Tanji is uh, is was out as well. Um, yeah. Yep. There was no formal word on him not playing. Uh, I think it was more probably precautionary. He's kind of been dealing with whatever the mystery lower body injury seems to be, something with his foot or leg or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he did not play. Uh, so we got uh, a, a good amount of freshmen, and we got a good amount of the back end of the rotation, uh, or at least guys that we anticipate probably being in the back end of the rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got healthy doses of Aiden Shaw. Uh we got nice performances from uh, Tamar Bates. Uh, Caleb Grill uh, went to the free throw line a lot. He didn't shoot yep. the ball that well, but uh, he, he still put up 15 points. And the leading shot taker on the night was Nick Honor, which I 
I'm not pulling up any stats on this. This is strictly me going uh, from the gut, but I'm going to say that might be the first time since he left Fordham <laughs> where, where Honor was the leading shot taker. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, they, they certainly let him hunt an early clock, especially in the second half. Um, Nick decided to drive the car himself and see what Missed he could do layups. there. Missed a few layups that would probably have made the uh, scoring tally look a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, it, sort of the biggest surprise tonight to me was Nick shooting a lot. Everything else was, you know, I think once you knew that Vanover and Notanji were sitting, you know, the rest of the sort of rotation made sense. I think the one thing that was jarring was how they sort of sequenced rolling guys out. Um, but I, I looked this morning just kind of at the minutes distributions and sort of, you know, how things ultimately panned out. And I don't think it was ultimately very surprising sort of when the minutes distributions, you know, worked out, you know, what we saw last night. Um, but I do think how Dennis kind of structured the rotation early on was pretty notable. But, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do. You know, they went out, they got, you know, a pretty established lead near the end of the first half, you know, expanded it in the early in the second, kind of, you know, spent the last 10 minutes in garbage time, you know, on tape. Not a lot of, you know, real divergence from what they ran a year ago. Defensively, kind of the same approach. I think you wrote it today. It was like they looked like the Missouri basketball team that we saw a year ago. And, you know, I, I think that's sort of an endorsement for at least this staff having, you know, a pretty clear stylistic identity. They executed it, you know, probably 80 to 90% of what they needed to do last night and got a reasonably comfortable win. And nobody else got hurt. So it was everything you sort of want to see from an opener. Um, and also, like you mentioned and kind of ran through, they got you know, some nice performances from guys that, you know, I think we had had questions about in the preseason as to what they would translate like early on. I think there were some heartening signs early on there. So overall, what you expect, what you want to see, um, now we see what happens when you ratchet up the competition on Friday. Yeah, so let's let's kind of just go over some positives. Um you know, obviously, I think for 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 me, for probably a lot of people, it was really exciting to see Tamar Bates um, play like we hoped he could play, uh, and really, you know, what amounted to a limited role. You know, I think the broadcasting kind of made a point to sort of bring up as Bates buying into more of a, a per minute production versus an overall, you know, by game production, which I think we're used to saying, oh, this guy's. Uh, you know, averaging 11 points a game versus, you know, what's he doing What you know, when he's on the floor. His his minutes weren't, uh, you know, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I probably should have it in front of him, but I want to say it was only in like the lower 20s, 21, yeah. 22 maybe. Uh, so for him to have that kind of output, uh, you know, without going over 25 minutes, um, doing it in an efficient way, getting to the rim, uh, hitting threes, that's basically the player that I thought uh, he was going to become coming out of high school and just never quite materialized in Indiana. Yeah. I, the To me, the biggest difference here is I think he's in a system, and we wrote about it a little bit in the preseason. We wrote about it after he committed, where I think it, it suits him more 
home. You know, what's funny that we mentioned IU. IU looked very similar to how they looked a year ago, which is they've got, you know, a couple of really good big guys that are going to play through big guys in the block a lot. There's not a ton of off-ball action that really happens. You know, there's not a lot of ball movement and player movement. Sometimes it happens in IU system. You know, it's very much sort of like we're going to play in the post or we're going to have a lead guard driving the car out of a ball screen. I think last night was really, really nice to see sort of Tamar in different setups. You know, Tamar was playing, you know, on the second side of some of their pinch post stuff. He was getting the ball, you know, one of his jumpers that he got, you know, was you know, coming off kind of a down screen where he gets a jumper. You know, they, he gets a ball reversal to an empty side of the floor. And, you know, the guy reversing him the ball is Missouri's undersized five who's on the perimeter. So when he plays in a straight line, he's not running into Trace Jackson Davis and a primary defender and help defender. So the spacing, I think, one, helps him a lot. And, you know, two, I think just playing in this system, you know, he's not being asked to hold a side and space a floor out and keep a gap open. It's, okay, when you get the ball, we don't expect you just to shoot it. Put her on the deck and go. And I think that yeah. was the biggest difference, too, is it's not just, okay, yes, there's more space, but we want you to maintain that. It's go make a play. And the types of plays we saw him make were the kinds of plays you saw him make at Piper and IMG. You know, on the second side of the floor, you saw him be aggressive in some early clock stuff. So I just think, you know, we'll see what happens once the competition ramps up. But I think it was really heartening to sort of, you know, just see in that small sample size, okay, these are the sort of play style traits we saw in him. There's some facets of what Missouri does that really do translate for him. We have to scale that up a little bit, but I think it would have been worrying if, you know, you had just seen him come in and, you know, been a guy that was sort of stashed in the corner waiting and camping. He wasn't that. You know, he was very assertive. You know, there were opportunities and actions and spot and spaces for him to do the things we've seen him do. And, uh, you know, just for him to come home and, you know, feel like he can get, you know, in a place mentally where he's a little bit more comfortable in a system that fits him a little bit, I think is heartening. So overall, what you want to see, does it translate against Memphis and a backcourt that I think is going to have the kinds of athletes to take some of those things away? Sure, but on the night, really, really great to see tomorrow get back to kind of, I think, who his core, you know, traits are as a player. I think I think that's probably the best way to think about it. Yeah, uh, I think for the most part, he was probably the most valuable, uh, you know, guy uh, on the floor when he was on the floor. I think he's always kind of had the potential to be that guy. It was just kind of a matter of getting him to the right, you know, sort of time and space. And it looks like, uh, you know, at least the staff has a good plan for him. Um, I think the other, uh, you know, main positive that I sort of took out of it was the play of Aiden Shaw. Uh, you know, again, we do have to factor in the competition level and, and all that, but, uh, he didn't attempt a three pointer. He was three or four from the floor. Mm -hmm. All of his shots were basically at the rim. Uh, he had nine rebounds, nine rebounds. That message, and that message a... is resonating. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. So like, that was what I was going to say is that, you know, one of the things that I think has been communicated to Aiden is like, you know, like 
we don't need you to be like this guy. We need you to be this guy. And that guy is a guy who does the hustle plays. Um, you know, we need you to block shots. We need you to rebound the ball. Uh, and then when you have the opportunity, yeah, dunk the hell out of the ball. Um, and I, I, you know, like seven points, nine rebounds. Um, I don't know that he's going to do that every night, you know, but it's hard to keep a guy off the floor when he, when he is that impactful on the glass, uh, and can finish the way that Aiden does. And I think, I think when you're looking at, you know, we, we have always kind of questioned like what was going to happen with Aiden this year. Uh, and with good reason, like last year, he didn't really play a whole lot. It was kind of hit and miss when he would play. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who just doesn't have a high level of skill at this point. Um, and so for, you know, a, a, an offense that Dennis Gates really wants guys with a lot of skill, uh, it, it was going to be hard for him to carve out minutes. Uh, this is how you do it. Yeah, yeah, there. Like there were some there was one moment where he, you know, he put the ball on the floor, drove, got cut off, played off two feet, had a nice finish. But other than that, it was, I'm either going to look or get off of it. Like he, I think there were some times last year where he could be a little bit of a ball stopper for them, where he would like catch, sometimes decide if he was going to shoot, decide if what he wanted to do. At least last night when he caught it, he ripped and he attacked. It wasn't the most, you know, beautiful straight line drive, but at least there was some decisiveness there. But you saw him as a really good cutter. You saw him doing making you know, those plays that were pretty decisive, getting to the rim. Defensively, I think he was better off the ball than we saw him a year ago, more reliable kind of in team defense, more reliable in rotation. You know, people are going to look at the blocks, and they're going to kind of look at, you know, one I think where he basically swallowed up a shot. But there were some plays last night where I thought he just did a really, really nice job where, you know, last from the empty side of the floor – you know, maybe he would be a little bit lost in rotation. Maybe, you know, that second, you know, after a guy retreat dribbled, you know, and attacked him again, he would kind of slip up a little bit. Just sound kind of in those moments, you know, where it's, you know, either in rotation or in isolation. He looks really, really good. You know, on the glass, you know, second, third effort going back, you know, really, really important. This team, you know, last year might do a great job on the initial, you know, shot, but they were just awful on the glass. If he can give you that, it's really important. Just there are things that I think he did last night that, you know, deservedly getting the start in the second half. I think there are a lot of, there are four or five people up to the game going, you know, what happened to Carolero? And I'm like, Aiden, you know, made the case with his play that he needed to be out there more. And that's not a knock on Zeus. I thought Zeus had some really nice passing reads. I thought, you know, Carolero was, you know, you know, not having seen him for a full, like, 13 months, was solid enough on defense. Yeah. I don't think there were any problems with how you know, Carolero played or any mistakes that were made. Aiden just brought a level of intensity, effort, and focus that, you know, if you're a coach who's demanded that out of a guy for more than a year and he's giving it to you and not just in a small dose, you don't park him to start the second half. <laughs> right. you, you know, you, this is, that's what good coaches do. They say, we, you are giving us everything we want. We're going to roll you out there. And realistically, you know, we talk about Missouri, you know, we can talk about Missouri's, you know, lax defense at times or some of the issues 
that have lingered over from last year, but Missouri gets separation in that second half because Aiden Shaw's out there doing really, really good things defensively and on the glass. He's doing what Dennis needed him to do. And, you know, when the moments were there to try and contribute offensively, he could. But, you know, people asking again, what happened to Zeus? Aiden played him off the floor. And deservedly, you know, that wasn't, you know, anything against Zeus at all. It's just Aiden gave us what we've been looking for for at least a year. So kudos to him. Again, does that carry forward? It's going to be really interesting against Memphis and some more live bodies on the perimeter, but more physical, know. more experienced, yeah. uh, more talented team. Yeah. Just going to be really, really interesting to see how much of that translates, but really, really heartening to see that. And I think I tweeted it last night, you know, it's one sample, one game, but you see, you know, people talk about projectability. What you saw last night from Tamar and Aiden were the traits that we saw from them in high school, projecting, scaling up a little bit, doing what they need to do. Now it's a question of can you supply that every night or if your primary skills aren't going there, can you find other ways to contribute? You know, if Tamar's not knocking down shots, you know, does the on-ball defense translate? If Aiden's not grabbing a bunch of rebounds, is that engagement still there to be solid off the ball? You know, particularly, you know, when teams do overload them, will that engagement be there to recover in time? There are things that, you know, are going to be a little bit more nuanced that I want to see from them, but at least on a first glance, it was great just to see the big ticket items get checked off. Well, yeah, so I think that allows us to kind of pivot to maybe some of the, the, the negative things, the things that we uh, were less pleased about. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is probably our garbage time uh, and, and some defense. Uh, things that were problems last year uh, are were problems last night. Um, like one of the things that held Missouri back, despite having a great team sheet uh, for the NCAA tournament, was you know their metrics, and a lot of their metrics came down to how they performed in garbage time. So like we're sitting there, and I even I said this in our our group chat last night. Like I was getting frustrated watching it. One because there were so many fouls that. And it was not I a tight knew. whistle either. It was not a tight whistle. No, no. Like I, I, I didn't ever. I don't think I ever saw like one of their calls and been like, "Oh yeah, like you probably just could have let that one go." Like all of them were just like obvious fouls. Yes. Um, but there were so many that as like we're getting into like we were still in the first half, like two minutes to play, and Texas A and M was starting their second half. Both yeah, both games tipped off at the same time. It took an hour uh, and fifteen minutes to play the first half. It normally right. takes like fifty-five. So I'm just sitting here. I'm thinking, man, like we we're going to be reviews. here until like nine fifteen or nine twenty, and I've got a study hall to write. <laughs> <laughs> like I just like I just want the game over in a regular amount of time. So yeah, so I was frustrated by that. But then you know, like as I'm watching the game kind of play out, and it's just like, all right, like we're out to that thirty-point lead. This is where I'm interested to see how things are maybe different than last year, and they they weren't. Like, they were not. I, you know, and look, you make some substitutions, um, you know, especially, and, you know, again, I think you kind of brought this up, but like Kurt Lewis uh, sort of not coming in until very late in the game. Um, like, we don't want to make any judgments on that because, like, you're coming in, you're cold. It's, it's yeah. hard to kind of, 
you know, turn it on with like 10 minutes to play in the game after you've been sitting for 30 minutes. Um, you know, but, but with him, it was like him on the court and, and, you know, Caleb Brown and, you know, maybe a freshman or two or three, uh, and like that, that rope slipped like it did last year. And it's just like, and next thing you know, like they're only down like 18 or something. And it's like, like, can we just, can we just beat the margin on Ken Palm for once? Can we do that? Uh, and yeah, so I, I got a little frustrated watching it. Uh, my rant will get out of the way here. Now there'll be somebody in March if they are jockeying for a better seat, who are going to say, they should only care about the results, and I will say every possession matters. That Every possession has always mattered. These metrics that we're talking about are not made up. They're based on how many points you give up on a possession of defense, how many points you give up on a possession of offense, and the difference between them. And, you know, last night there were other teams that were up, you know, 25 or 30 with 10 minutes left. You know what they did? Made it 35 or 40. They finish decisively. And so if you're going to sit and say, well, people should only care about the results and just black and white wins and losses, this stuff is just wonky and it has no bearing on it. No, it's you have 40 minutes, you have 70 possessions. What do you do with those? Every single one of them. And, you know, Missouri last night, first game of the season, dropped seven spots in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're like 210th in free throw rate. They were not great on catch and shoots. They allowed 37, 38% shooting on spot up threes. These are the things that, like, again, I understand most people are going to only look at the top line ones. You're only going to care about what they win or lost. But if you get into a situation in March where the team sheets are similar, the other team that played well across all of their possessions is going to get the nod. And Missouri had an opportunity last night, if nothing else to give itself breathing room come March. If it beats the margin, that's a little extra insurance that they could have bought. And so I think that's how people need to look at it is, are you maximizing every opportunity you have, even on night one, to help yourself a couple of months from now? You know, we can talk about caveats and some certain, you know, extra context to that, but the things that were driving some of that were not situational. And some of those issues were in the first half as well. Yeah. You know, overhelping to the four, over, 40 points in the first overhelping half. Overhelping to the overhelping to the midline. Miscommunication and pick and rolls, particularly in the middle if it's guard to guard switching. You know, late closeouts to the corner. If you beat this team in the first wave of the press to the half court and a guy helps up, there's a corner three. There are things that have existed, you know, from the, you know, I went back and looked at, there were the same things in the USI game a year ago. Like I remember having, I went back and looked at my notes from the rewatch of the USI game and this one, a lot of overlap, a lot. The Venn diagram was basically a circle. And so again, maybe having Tanji and Vanover helps things. We can talk about the schematic ways that would help, but you worry about these things at some point, not just being a part of your personnel or part of rotations or man, it's late in the game. Focus naturally slips up. There's a part of which when there's a point where it's just like, this is 
ingrained kind of either in our scheme, in our culture, and in our DNA of how we're playing. And, you know, are there going to be trade-offs that are necessary? You know, maybe a little bit of offensive juice to help yourself defensively. Maybe there's some things that happen, but again, night one, we should probably stop griping about it, but there are things that existed that just make you jumpy as much just, as they make you excited. I'm just looking. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So Arkansas Pine Bluff played nine guys last night. Seven of those guys scored 15 points. Two others scored 64. And this is, so this is on a SWAC team. And I'm kind of thinking like, look, I, I realize production has to come from somewhere, but like, is nobody going to guard like Kylan Milton? Like, no one's going to like prevent him from going to the free throw line. He, he scored 15 points at the free throw line. He took 10 shots and scored 34 points. Yeah. Uh, Joe French, 30 points. Granted, he took 27 shots, but um, I mean, like 64 points in two dudes. And, yeah. you know, again, like it's, it's Pine Bluff. Some of it's like, all right, you know, but there was there were several times where you, like, you know like you know French is a guy who's a shooter and you're closing out with hands low, um, or just losing track of him. Like, and, yeah, and I just or like, where I you don't... are on the floor, and <laughs> like, this is it, it. There are some 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 basic like defensive fundamentals here that that yeah. I get it. It's Arkansas Pine Bluff. Maybe you don't scout them as hard as you do Memphis or an SEC opponent, but like those guys shouldn't do that to you. Come on. You should know lift and drift, right? <laughs> like you should. I got. If you I'm gonna, stunt... I'm gonna let uh, oh, oh, uh, the the dude with the the highlights, uh, Macaulay. Wasn't that his name? Yeah, Kane Macaulay. He had he had the nice uh, highlights in his hair. Uh, oh for two from three. Why don't we? Why don't you like let him take a few extra, you know, licks at, at three point range instead just, of, yeah. So there was some KYP stuff. There was like, I'm perpetually mystified how like they'll wind up eventually parked right on the midline, mm-hmm. and it's like, all right, like that's two passes away. Even if you're aggressive, that that seems like it's too far like maybe you should only be a half step into the paint not full step and a half like there's some things like sometimes where you wonder about positioning and off ball stuff but again that existed a year ago you know part of it I think is like they are going to sell out in the middle gap they're going to sell out to you know you know if you are a junkyard dog face staff that imprint is strong to get into the middle of the floor and provide help there and flood it. But there are some times last night where the guy doing the X out is, or, you know, is Caleb or it's Noah. It's not someone who is fleet of foot trying to get out to that shooter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in scrambling there, there becomes some open hips and some driving. And then you get to the issue of, oh, there's no rim protector back there either. So there's just stuff that happens stylistically and schematically that you're just like, eh, 
I've seen this movie before. I don't I don't need a sequel. I've well, yeah. So as we kind of look ahead to Memphis, um, they're going to be without you know Vanover again, and and one of the things like you know you don't want to make sort of these you know grand generalizations. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yesterday did feel familiar uh, in a lot of ways. Um but they were missing two of like the most important additions of the yeah. off season. Two guys that I think, you know, like Dennis sort of place, uh, placed a premium on bringing these two in. I mean, you know, Tanji was like right away. We want to get this guy in. He was a perfect fit. Uh, you know, like he's a, he's a good defender. Really uh, good off ball defender. Really, really good off ball defender. And having, having somebody who is seven foot five, in and around the rim will help rim protection. And Missouri kind of struggled with rim protection uh, yesterday. Um, you know, so, but that's not going to be the case from Memphis. Like, Vanover's going to be out. We don't know if Taji's going to be out or not. Um, but this, it will be interesting to me because Memphis is also uh, missing Penny Hardaway. Hardaway is uh, suspended. suspended. Um, uh, Well, what was that? It was impro- It was essentially, I think, for improper contact rules. Essentially, I can't remember, but it's three games. I think it was stemming from the Wiseman thing, like a couple of years ago. I R P hit him with a yeah. I R P. I think that was the the ruling from them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. So long ago that it's hard to actually 
remember what it was for, but I think I think you're right. I think it was for the the White. It was so long ago that James Wiseman's rookie contract, rookie extension was not picked up by okay. distance. So that's that. Yeah. We're at three, at least three years at that point. Um, but yeah, uh, go ahead. Well, yeah. So they're without him. Uh, DeAndre Williams has uh, his waiver to play a 27th season in college basketball uh was denied so they he will not be able to specialize he'll just have to in fellowship he will not be able to take another one won't be able uh, to yeah like he's gonna he's 27 years old like like I'd, i i i tend to think that you know maybe we should have some kind of age cut off at some point like you can't play college sports anymore we had we had that with high school kids. Some states won't let you do it after age nineteen. I mean, yeah, I. So, but that that is the situation with with Williams. Uh, they did beat Jackson Jackson almost at Jacksonville State, uh, Jackson State, um, I believe by eighteen, 19, seventeen, something like that. Seventeen points. Um. Our good old friend Javon Quinterly uh, was there. Yep, yep. Had aged him many times at, at the old Alabama. Yep, yep. Not a not. He has not uh, rediscovered the juice from that sophomore year at Alabama. Uh, four assists, three turnovers. Uh, shot two of seven from the floor. It's not a great debut for Javon uh, in a new place. The this is a team that I think. The big question for them was were they going to be able to get more than six or seven guys deep? You know, the the front court is thin-ish. Um, you know, they didn't have, you know, Mikey Williams says, is a freshman who has some serious legal issues out in California related to gun charges, who is enrolled in Memphis but not with the team. Uh DeAndre Williams was supposed to be kind of an anchor for them because they could have paired him with Jordan Brown, a former five-star kid who has bounced around to three other schools but was the Sunbelt Player of the Year at Louisiana Lafayette. So the thought was if they had Mikey Williams kind of as some guard some guard depth, particularly kind of as that combo spot, and if they could have Dandridge and they could have Brown with three experienced guards they might have enough collectively to get through. Now the questions get another, they still have some really nice pieces. David Jones is kind of a small ballish bully ball four. he played, you know, pretty well at St. John's last year. He's back mm-hmm. alongside Jordan Brown. So they have those guys, but then it's really just kind of like true replacement level guys behind those two. You know, they have Quinterly. They've got Caleb Mills, who, uh, you know, is on his third stop, but won't be playing point guard. You know, he started at Houston, went to Florida State. Now he's at Memphis. I think he's going to probably thrive a little bit more as a second side creator, kind of slasher type. Jumper's going to be the issue there. But fortunately, they went out and they got another extremely well-traveled guy, Jaquan Walton, who shot 40%. Missouri saw him last year. Yeah, uh, Walton. So let's let's see, three. see. See if off the top of my head, if I can remember all Walton stops. 
this will be fun for you. <laughs> I, 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 I will say that I'm not going to remember which JUCO he attended. Um, but you know he went to JUCO. He was originally committed to Mississippi State. No, no. S- started at Georgia. Tom Crean basically buried him. Went but, to JUCO. But, but he, he committed somewhere before Georgia. It wasn't Mississippi State, though. But I'm we're just going college career. Started no, I want to know, like, because originally he was committed somewhere, and then I feel like I feel like it was that he he never went to Mississippi State. He committed to Mississippi State out of JUCO, but then didn't go there. Okay, so that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. He committed to Georgia as a high school he, kid. He originally, yeah, he originally uh, signed with Georgia, played at Georgia for a year, went to junior college. After junior college, went to Wichita. He committed to Mississippi State, but then Mississippi State fired uh, Ben Howland. Or, and so or did he? Was he allowed to resign? Um, either way, he committed to Ben Howland. <laughs> on the coach. Uh, yeah, committed to Mississippi State. Changed it up. Went to Wichita State. Played well there. After, after Wichita State, he committed to Alabama this last off season. Mm-hmm was uh, caught with marijuana in his, or at least marijuana smelling in his car with some, some friends in Tuscaloosa and Bama cut ties and he ended up uh, at Memphis. Yes. So the that, starting... That is, that is, that is some traveling. That's, that's a journey. It's a journey. So last night, um, Memphis started Quinterly, Jones, Walton, Dandridge and Jordan, Nick Jordan. So the question I have is, did uh, Slick Rick Stansberry, who is the interim coach, ironically, he's the interim, Slick Rick is the interim replacement guy for someone suspended for violating recruiting rules. Because who replaces, been... who replaced Frank Haith as the, uh, the top assistant, right? Oh, uh... Hate, just uh, what's well, a farcical situation? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Slick Rick started two bench guys last night. My guess is maybe he wanted to audition them, you know, like Dennis did for some deep rotation guys. But you'd assume that the starters for a legit high major matchup would be Quinterly, Jones, Walton, maybe. You know, you'd think Brown would get in there. Maybe Mills would get in, but. This has all been a long, entirely too long, winding, meandering, pick your descriptor, preamble to Missouri's backcourt is going to have a test on Friday night. Some older guys, some athletic guys, guys that I think have a good sense for who they are as players. And all of them have been at programs where their physicality is, you know, sort of emphasized. There's going to be a big that's a legit back to the basket big in Jordan Brown. And you don't have just a guy who can even wall up and play with size. Jordan Butler, welcome to college. Potentially you're going to need to guard Jordan Brown for some stretches. So not a ton of like proven depth at this point, but I think the top line guys there compare favorably. Now, if Aiden Shaw plays the way he did, you know, last night, if, you know, Tamar Bates can, you know, 
approximate what he did. I think things get in the balance there, but it's going to be really, really interesting, I think, to see you know what the backcourts do there because Memphis has some talent there. They have some guys who can you know, play physically, play in a straight line, and make and make things happen. So uh, you would like the perimeter defense to be a little bit more buttoned up than it was uh, for the entirety of the uh, Pine Bluff game. So that's that's what has me a little jumpy here. Is there are guys who are gonna who would like to feast on what Missouri uh, was a, offering up in abundance on Monday? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's gonna be a test. Um... And Penny Field's really good defensive teams. He's fielded really really physical and consistent defenses over this three years there. So this is a group that can potentially make Missouri uncomfortable in the half court. Yeah. Uh, I would sort of equate them as like a little bit similar to uh, like Arkansas like, you know, being a yeah. lot of like long physical uh, defenders, uh, maybe not quite to, to the same level, but, uh, but similar. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, well, that's, that's Memphis. That's Friday. Um, before the Tennessee game, Tennessee football game. Uh, for those who are looking for how to watch that, I believe it's going to be on the SEC network. Yeah. Uh, I think as we're as we're recording this, my my internet connection is lagging here because trying to load up the Ken Palm page. Uh, yeah, SEC network at 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, nice little uh, precursor to a big uh, big weekend of, of Mizzou sports. Um, Following that game is SIUE. Brian Baroni has done nice work there. Uh, brings some key pieces back, but I think uh, their best player is still out recovering from a knee injury. Uh, and that's that's next Monday. Um, yeah. So we'll probably... Um, well, you got Roy Shantoli back. He is playing probably. That's good. Probably wait to record again until Tuesday. Yep. Uh, uh, so we'll have both Memphis and SIUE to, to to review. I'm sure we'll go just as in uh, as in depth on SIUE as we have done on Arkansas Pine Bluff. I believe we took about 30 minutes on Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, but Matt, in our defense, it was the first game of the year. Yeah. Uh, and after not watching this team play basketball since last March, there was a lot that we wanted to talk about. Um, as far as actual game action, is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Pine Bluff, Memphis, SAUE before? Uh, only thing is that Memphis uh, is a, Memphis is considered a less than one possession. Toss up would be a nice uh, kind of like borderline quad one, quad two game to pick up Berlin. Not a make or break deal. Up for Missouri, but hey, it's a home game against a potential tournament team that would will probably be solidly quad two. You want to get those in your column, uh, no matter when they are on the schedule. So, uh, should be a great game. Should be a toss up. Hopefully, Mizzou Arena is lively, um, and Missouri can you know, you know, burnish their team sheet pretty early. I like it. Uh, yeah, pick up a win. Um, we'll cover it either way. There is a little bit of recruiting news that we can talk about. Uh, tomorrow is signing day. 
uh, Missouri is going to uh, or should be expected to sign uh, five players. It is currently the second highest rated class in the 247 sports composite behind Duke. I believe Duke has three five stars. Yeah. Including the might. Top, top overall player in the class. Yeah, and they uh, might be trying to add VJ Edgecombe because you know you need five five stars. They yeah, as as many as you can stack if you're Duke, I think you you stack. Uh, but Missouri, Mizzou can't, Mizzou can't catch him at all either. Just to tell you all, no. there may be some that's not mathematically possible. No, Duke is knocking uh, that up. It's over. <laughs> it's done. But Everyone's the, playing the five man class is uh, is our man Arabatang is the, the the top rated guy is currently 26th in the in the composite yeah um and then marcus allen who i believe is 56th um i was just writing about these so my memory is going to be a little bit uh a little bit bumpy um then trent burns who's in the 70s uh mm-hmm. 74 yeah he was in the uh, 74 to 77 range yeah uh and then nimble payton um Peyton Marshall, uh, yeah, I believe he was 97th in the composite. Uh, and then T.O. Barrett is 121, Yeah, I believe. All right, th- th- those are all, like, just because I was writing about it today. Um, those are the guys that are all expected to sign tomorrow. There is one guy that could be added to this class, and we're going to talk about him. Uh, he's not signing tomorrow. His name is... Uh, is Jaden Quaintance. I'm, Matt, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Are you familiar? He is a, a top 10 five-star kid. Uh, he has been on campus at Missouri, so I'm surprised you haven't heard of him. Um, I don't pay attention <laughs> to these types of things. Uh, yeah. So I'm watching tape of him. No clue about him. Mr. Quaintance is... Uh, K- there is a little bit of news on this, and I think it, it was surprising news to both of us because all along uh, through this recruitment, it was sort of understood that the sort of three main threats for his services here were Missouri, uh, Kentucky, and the G League. Uh, as of this week or late late last week, whatever that was, uh, he removed the G League as a potential and listed the top four uh, I can't even remember. Is it the other? Is it Florida and Ohio State? Uh, it's Ohio State, Florida, Kentucky, Missouri. But everybody uh, seems to think that it's either going to be Missouri or Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, that that seems to be the consensus at this point. Um, everyone, you know, it's. I think you said it before we started, and I would agree. When everyone is happy about where they sit in this recruitment, you know, the handlers in the circle have done a great job putting out the smoke just mm-hmm. with the smoke screens. Um, so it, yeah, if you read Kentucky recruiting boards, all that kind of stuff, Kentucky great feels impression. great. Love it. Made a great impression when he got in there for big blue, you know, really, really likes what, you know, they've done with him, with guys like him before. If you read about Missouri, loves Dennis Gates, loves Dennis Gates, directness, honesty, loves the system, loves the tempo, really feels like they're going to let him kind of play in that Kobe Brown role. Don't just see him as a five. Everyone loves everyone right now. <laughs> but money or love, Sam, 
money uh, well right and we've we've long also understood that this is a a nil battle it is very much um if you can if you can top the offer then chances are you can get the kid uh, and i don't blame like I, you know honestly i think if he comes to missouri missouri is kind of showing that they do a pretty good job developing uh guys they're uh you know they have a couple guys in the nba already uh that's that's a good start he'll get paid well if he goes to missouri uh kentucky conversely has a lot of guys in the nba um also he'll get paid well if he goes there Remuneration um, is not the problem <laughs> yeah yeah, he will be well compensated wherever he chooses. But I think this is a situation where I was—I'm surprised that G League is no longer an option. I'm guessing that Missouri and Kentucky are probably able to, uh, to top whatever offers that they they had for him. Um, and my my sort of instinct was I thought that the G League. Was, was if they were going to be able to get close enough to where Missouri and, and Kentucky were, that the, the ability to not have to worry about school and just go be a, a professional was probably going to be too great. Uh, but who knows? That, that, that appears to not be the case. Uh, I am happy to be wrong, especially if he ends up at Missouri. A little less so if he ends up at Kentucky because it means we have to face him. Um, but he's a, a talented kid, uh, just if you watch some of his, uh, you know, his tape from more recent games versus, you know, six months ago, but there was a noticeable difference. Yeah. Um, it, and he's really like a very, very high ceiling prospect. Yeah. So uh, probably what spring we find it, find out what happens. Yeah. Who knows? Timelines change, but you know, he had sort of put out the word, in October, that spring was probably the likely timeline. And, you know, who's to say that the G League doesn't come back? Um, the reporting had always been that, you know, the G League was floating a contract structure similar to what Scoot Henderson was going to get. And Scoot Henderson spent two years in the G League. He earned 500000 a year. So the thought was, okay, 500 k two years. You know, would they go beyond that? Um it, you know, if they're out at the moment now, my presumption is that, like, they are not going to the numbers. I've heard high six into sevens for both places. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a degree of opaqueness in the market. You know, numbers can be bid up or, you know, uh, you know depending on motivations. But high six figures is one that I feel pretty confident about at a, as a minimum there. So it was going to be competitive with the G League there. And the thing is, you know, he has to, he's got two years until he can enter the draft. But once he picks a place, that doesn't negate his flexibility. He could come to Missouri for a year. If he doesn't like it here, there's the portal and he can, you know, rebid it. If he doesn't like Kentucky for a year, he can rebid it. Nothing's to say he couldn't leave college after a year and go take a contract in Australia or in Europe for a year, you know, like, so I think. People saying we get a guy for two years. There's flexibility and malleability <laughs> in Jaden here. You know, I think everyone's saying, oh my God, we get a guy for two years. Jaden will have options. 
Yeah. He will not be boxed in. And, the, the, you know, the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal uh, can take it away. Um, you know, ask Texas about how they felt about, you know, Ron Holland swearing off the G League last fall. <laughs> Ron Holland was making the same noises and committed to Texas. And then suddenly April got there and suddenly that G League offer got better. Yeah. And now Ron's a pro. So, like, I get it. People are excited. You know, people are not dreary pessimists like me. But until he is on your campus, in your practice gym, playing for you, I view it as all fungible until then. So, <laughs> right. I mean, if you can close him and you can get him here, awesome. But five-star guys, future NBA guys, you know, they're not applying to your job. They're 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 weighing your application at this point. Is probably the best way to put it. So, well, yeah, and I, I think that's a yeah. That's basically you know something that I've kind of used in the past is to you know like too many people sort of think that recruiting is the other way around. That's what it is. Is like all the college coaches are the applicants. Um, you know, they're they're looking for uh, you know the, the the, the prime job and and Quaintance is just that. So he's a guy who's going to be able to choose where he wants to go. Missouri, Kentucky, probably going to last a while. Going to get bid up, uh, see how much they can get, and good for them. If he ends up in Columbia, yay, because he's a good player, and I like good players. Good players help you win games. So <laughs> I am I am for that. Uh, yeah. But I, I am I am with you to the degree that um, I don't believe I don't until think, he is moving into a dorm. That's, yeah, that's like, where I'm at. I, I I think if he's hitting campus like next, you know, August uh, or even like over the summer, like I'll I'll feel better, uh, you know, with that commitment. Yeah, I think I think one guys once guys hit in the summer, they're probably going to be stay, stay enrolled. <laughs> yeah. If he's, if he's showing up for the Somerset June intercession moving in, you're seeing like 15 second snippets of him on social media in Mizzou practice attire, then you can probably breathe easy. Yeah. But the thing about it is, and the other thing is his, his circle has not hesitated to move and move decisively. I think he's, he was at two prep schools before getting to Word of God last year. He was on two um, grassroots teams this spring. Like they, they know what the plan is and they know what the objective is. And in, you know, even in interviews, they are very clear. It's to maximize his draft slot. Yeah. You know, and I think you know I appreciate the transparency here because that you know he's not coming here to major in accounting. You know, it's. He's got a talent. He's got a skill level that's, you know, pretty rare. You know, everything is about maximizing that to the as much to the greatest degree. So I understand the excitement. I understand people, you know, coming into my mentions and you know, just responding with Tiger or he's Mizzou. I, I'm glad you're happy. But again, until he is listed on a roster and in a practice gym in Columbia, I view as every option is on the table. So that's that's the sad pessimism that runs my life. Well, uh, so we're going to get out of here. I think that's all we had to hit on. 
the yeah. last thing that uh, I wanted to uh, wanted to bring up um, is uh, a a little bit of an an ad read that is not an ad read. Handled this so well, so smoothly. <laughs> well, so uh, if you are in the St. Louis area and looking for a spot to eat, uh, I highly recommend a restaurant called Sunday's Best, run by a big time Mizzou fan by the name of John Perkins. He's a he's a little bit of a friend. Uh, if you like fried chicken, if you like uh, Southern cooking, uh, chicken sandwiches, those kinds of things, they've got a great burger. Uh, just rolled out a catfish po' boy. Matt, they're open for lunch now. Uh, so starting this week, they actually are open for lunch, <laughs> eleven to two, uh, starting Wednesday uh, through Friday. Oh, the brunches are crazy; you can't even get in. Um, but uh, the food is excellent. Everything there is is delicious. If you go in, ask for John. Tell him that you're a Rock and Radio listener, uh, and he'll talk your ear off about the Tigers. How great is that? Uh, so that's my ad read in quotes. Um, I, I, I'm excited about uh, my, my buddy's new restaurant. The things that uh, they're doing there, the food is fantastic. Um, I think I took you to Juniper. You did. To Juniper when you came through uh, mm-hmm. a few years back. So uh, Juniper is now Sunday's best. So go down there if you're in St. Louis, eat the fried chicken. You will not be disappointed. Um and then, yeah, that's that's all I got. So with that being said, we're out of here. We're going to be back. Uh, I don't know if he'll be back. He'll be back, this guy. Uh, or, if you know, we'll make Watkins do something. But we're in weekly mode, so we'll, uh, Dive Cuts will return next week on Tuesday. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And stay tuned. Click subscribe, because if you do, then you get all of these episodes and before the box score as well. And... Rockham Nation reacts, and we got more content coming, Matt, because we have uh, women's basketball podcast coming, we have uh, baseball podcast coming, we have all kinds of great content getting ready to be beamed just directly into your feed. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. And again, I'd like to say thank you to Blake for joining me. You can follow him on Twitter, the Blake uh, at the Blake level. Uh, do do that. Um, subscribe to Southeastern fourteen. Also, if you have not yet subscribed here, uh, we are looking for all the subs- uh, subscribers that we can get. The more subscribers we get, the more people get to see this stuff, and the more people that will want to talk about Mizzou basketball, which is what we all want. Um, so, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, as we get into the season, you're going to start seeing us weekly. Uh, So we'll be back next week with more episodes of Dive Bats.